0: This is Andy Lavender, and I'm with Fiona Morris, the Chief Executive and Creative Director of the space. So, Fiona, let me ask you first is the notion of digital culture meaningful to you?
1: Within the context of the space, and obviously the space was set up to try and help the cultural sector, the arts sector of the UK, adopt and adapt to kind of digital technologies. I think one of the very first things that I and the new team who all started with the space just over a year ago and um, what we identified was there wasn't really much discussion about online audience engagement so I think that's one big thing that we that we have Started to work very hard with organisations to go, let's look at online audience engagement. Let's take all the things you know about audience development, which of course you do, know lots about that, and start applying that online. So online audience engagement, big part of
0: the digital story for us. But that's reaching the audience online, not necessarily making work that is also online, or is that also part of it, do you think?
1: Absolutely. So I think we see there being two things. So there's the online audience engagement, and as you say, that's very specific and different from on the other side, actually creating the digital content. What we felt was if you then start to take some information from this online audience engagement about who these audiences are, what kind of content they like to consume, actually making content, putting it onto those platforms, monitoring it and seeing how people are using it and whether they're sharing it, whether there's a dropout rate at a certain point, going back in and having a look to see why that That's occurring. So there was the sort of an online audience modelling. Then there was actually online digital content creation and mapping to an audience. And then there are the third big area for us, which is, yeah, where is there digital technology and innovation that can actually transform how you might want to tell stories? Uh, to audiences. And that can be uh, telling stories to audiences in the, online, in, in the online space, but of course it can also be in site-specific environments, um, it can be kind of data visualisation projects, um, you know, many, many and myriad things. And again, I think there what we wanted to do with arts organisations and with artists was to say, don't come at this from the technology. Let's look to see where the innovation in the storytelling is, and then let's map that to technologies.
0: I think in general terms, one of the things that perhaps emerges from this is that people can access content in their own time. Or individually and separately do you still see a space or do you see an interest still in bringing people together in a single moment or in the live event?
1: Definitely I think one of the saddest elements of kind of new, new digital technologies would be if we were to imagine that everything became an immersive a solo immersive experience because of course we've all sat in that piece of theatre or heard that piece of music or shared that experience in a gallery where you know that it's the collective reaction to the work that is part of the excitement of being there in that moment. That does not for a minute mean that there isn't an entirely other experience when you sit live in that theatre looking at that stage and you choose what you're going to look at, and you will then have a completely different experience because that's you as an individual and what that theatre maker, what that composer, what that opera director, what that choreographer has done is to create an entire vista of things for you to look at. But they will have had a view about what they thought you were going to look at.
0: So there's still authorship and there's still sort of direction and design, of course, but that sense of individual choice and agency seems to me something that is important to digital culture. Do you feel able to say now what has changed definitively? We've been living with this for quite a long time now.
1: Yes, I mean, I think just going back to the live event capture, I think it's quite surprising to me that actually when digital culture generally had become so fast, so short form, so episodic, Actually, I'm amazed that this other kind of longer form, much slower paced content would also find an audience for itself and an audience that, that are quite passionate about it. But yes, obviously within, um, within social media, within the kind of cultural sharing that now goes on, I think that's an extraordinary landscape. And I think it was, I think it was quite baffling for artists, for creators, you know, 10 years ago, because that landscape kept shifting and changing so rapidly that trying to get a sense of where or who or how you might be able to create content and have a real sense of engagement with an audience was incredibly hard. But what's interesting is whilst it's still moving incredibly fast and is still changing and evolving day by day, nevertheless, I think it's almost like there are shadows in the landscape that are beginning to be there and stay present. So you have a sense of kind of where audiences go, the kinds of content they like to share, the kind of duration. The idea that when a new platform comes along, um it's almost automatically got a duration to it that will sit there. So if it's Instagram and it's 30 seconds, if it's Facebook video and it's two and a half minutes, and I'm kind of going, isn't that curious? It's actually begun to formulate its own set of rules here, that these audiences on these platforms quite often can be the same people, but on this platform, they'll do this, and on this platform or in this context, they'll do that. Being aware that the first instance you're visible may also be your last minute, and I think is really <laughs> crucial to kind of going, so but do lots of prep so there's lots of you can create really sympathetic peer groups that you can review material with let's just try it test it try it test it and for a third time try it test it
0: that's quite sobering that your first minute might be your last
1: <laughs> well it's but you know what I mean. it's like you, you're trying to win those audiences they are brutal they yes. are brutal with that but equally you can build really loyal kind of you know kind of advocacy groups around you and that's what we really recommend we had a great experience with um, Complicite's show The Encounter where they wanted to live stream it they hadn't really used their YouTube channel in any significant way before other than putting up some trailer material that they hadn't really monitored Um, but they decided they wanted to do The Encounter as a live stream on their YouTube channel and we suggested to them that what they might do is put together a list of all the organisations, all the um, venues, other kind of touring theatre companies that they knew were kind of in their orbit and friends of theirs and just ask them all if they would embed some very short form content that they were going to make around the show and a countdown clock to the start of the live stream, and they very quickly put together a list of I think about 50, 60 organisations that they had close links to. They sent them the short form content, uh, which was kind of little kind of um, audience review sound bites. You know, obviously they, they have a kind of pretty high profile uh, community of fans, and so there were some familiar looking faces in that mix, but all saying great show, must see it. You know. And with the countdown clock and they were the estimates that we were given about the kind of level of engagement that they might have on a live stream for that show were probably between about sort of 500 to 2,000 people live with the show streaming and they were going to leave it up for a 7 day window and probably they would get between sort of 5 and 7,000 people across the 7 days they actually got just under 70,000 in 7 days which was fantastic for them and you know transformed their view of what YouTube could be for them as an organisation
0: this connects with something else we think we observe putting this together, which is that people are still interested in experience and in being there in some way, and possibly even having the thing done to you and your own body. So it's mm. not that digital technologies suddenly move us only into virtual worlds and disembodied experiences and kind of remote encounters.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's two bits to that. One, I think that kind of just that idea of experience. We've become a very experienced, hungry species. Sometimes I think it's about making things personal, though, isn't it? Sometimes it's about bringing it down to a very personal level. And we have another project, which I am enormously proud of the artist who put it together, called Adrift, which is uh, an artwork which looks at... The numbers thousands of pieces, hundreds of thousands of pieces of space junk that are currently orbiting the planet. So this piece is very much one that sits within the heart of the science community, something that they know is a big issue for themselves, but absolutely humanises it. So very simply, what the artists did when they were looking at it, they made a film, and then they created a physical installation, an instrument, that is mapping space debris in real time. And then each piece of debris has has its own sonic landscape that the artist Nick Ryan created and then it mapped where that is around the planet to where you are so the volume of the piece of debris and all the other thousands of pieces around it changes and shifts depending as they, as they, as they move around the earth's orbit the third thing was to create these twit bots so that's three pieces of monitored space debris. They tweet at you wherever they are around the planet. But what I love is that artwork stretches from a filmic narrative, which does what it should do in terms of documenting a story to tell you a thing, to an installation. Artwork that has a sonic landscape that is absolutely an artistic response to these twitbots. And for me, that's, like, that's a complete
0: work as a whole the three pieces together. And what other innovations do you see amongst artists and companies
1: So I think I am very interested to look at how we let audiences interact more effectively. Because I think that, I think, is an area where everyone, there's a lot of... A lot of focus on immersive experiences, and I think those are great, and you know, we'll, we'll see where those lead us and what technologies come up for that. But for me, genuinely interactive experiences, ones that can be being shared between live audiences and online audiences simultaneously. We're looking at something at the moment to try and look for something in cinemas, but where you can then have cinema audiences making interactive decisions about outcomes that can also be being replicated and shared by audiences in other cinemas, but also online. So that's the process we've been going through with them, is working out how do we generally, genuinely create an interactive experience in a cinema for cinema audiences to be able to vote on, but also online. And and that's been really interesting in then exploring what the difference in the narrative journey that you would take if you're in a room full of people, or making a decision. So I love that complexity of how the same story could be being treated differently for an online individual journey and experience to that of a shared experience. And I think that degree of interactivity, that degree of being able to share storylines, I think that's very little explored so far, and I'd love us to be
0: doing lots more of that. So one of the principles here, I think, is that things take different shapes, and they can be accessed very diversely, and there isn't a single story. People access Absolutely. the story diversely and may get ever what experience they.
1: Yeah, a story. yeah, exactly, in the sense it's their own journey. Sitting, sharing an experience with other people of how a theatre maker or a choreographer saw a work being seen by you, that view is amazing and wonderful. It does not stop. That experience, when you sit in front of that and you choose what you're looking at on that side, they're two different routes through the same thing. And that's wonderful. In the same way, I think, an individual online experience where you're able to interact with content and create different outcomes for yourself is unique and wonderful, doesn't take away from some kind of interactive, shared audience experience. And you sort of want them to have all of them. You want everybody to be able to enjoy both.
0: And the we here is the space, you yes. and your team. yes. Can you say a bit about the funding model for the space? I know you're set up by the BBC and the Arts yeah, Council. Yes, so we're of funded... funded by the BBC? We and the are.
1: So we're funded pretty much equally by uh, the BBC and then uh, predominantly Arts Council of England with additional support from Creative Scotland and Arts Council Wales.
0: And, and funded to commission work or facilitate... Yes dialogues with venues, between venues and artists, all of those things.
1: When the space was originally set up, it was focused on being a web publishing portal. So it was the notion of artists in the UK and arts organisations needing some ability to showcase their work that has taken sort of a four-year journey to get to a point where everybody kind of went actually probably the the portal the platform is the least important part of the model actually what's really important is the commissioning part of the model to be able to work with organizations to help them develop work but to do it in a way which is specifically aimed at capacity building so we're not looking for organizations who already know how to do a thing we're looking for organizations who have a desire to explore how to engage with this kind of audience or this kind of content this kind of Platform, and we will come in alongside them to commission the artwork which they own, it's not ours. We're not responsible for the distribution or the analytics around it or the production of it, but we will put in place around them any of the support that they need in terms of freelance support to produce, distribute, evaluate that artwork. What we then do is take every single artwork and make a case study out of it. So, if one organization's had the direct experience of capacity building around an area, 10, 15, 20 others can look at it and go, oh, okay, that's how they did that, and that's what they learned from doing that. Let's imagine ourselves doing something else. Yes.
0: It's possible to gaze into the crystal ball amid this very fast changing environment. What do you see in it? What's next?
1: I do think interactivity has not yet been fully explored in terms of what audiences can do. But I think the big one for me is actually what's so exciting about kind of online audience engagement is where you may have a, a, a kind of, an, an, you may be working in an art form where you feel like you have quite small audiences, you know, where it's quite hard to gain a sense of how your work measures up or how your audiences feel about your work online that audience becomes magnified and actually that audience can all start coming together and talking about your work so that you actually maybe get a better sense of the significance of the work because you know all artistic work is important so let's talk about it a bit more let's show it a bit more online and and then maybe that helps it exist in the live world uh, in in a better represented way than it does at the moment
0: thank you very much
1: thank you